you are here in the present moment with your activity, which means you're not thinking about the past with all of your, you know, regrets and repetitive thinking. You're not thinking about the future with all of its worries. You're just here in the present moment. And as you train yourself in the act of mindfulness, I had one researcher recently describe it to me as you are opening up the pathways for positive experience to predominate in your life. And so it's almost like mindfulness is kind of like the super highway amongst which positive experience moves throughout us, which then crowds out the space for the negative thinking and the ruminative negative experiences. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Have you ever considered meditation, but felt like your life was just way too busy to take the time to do it? Or maybe you felt like you just didn't know how to do it correctly. Well, what if there was not a right way to do it? And you could do it in just three or five minutes. And what if in those three to five minutes, you could reduce anxiety, stress, and boost productivity, focus, and happiness? Now, are you interested? One of the greatest benefits of meditation is the ability to become more productive by lowering stress levels in the body and the brain and creating more mindfulness during the day. Now, some important facts that I love that I think we should consider, and it's really why I'm so fascinated with meditation and the endless benefits for each of us. One, meditation is the single most powerful stress-relieving tool available by natural means. Getting stressed is not necessarily bad for you, but as you know, staying chronically stressed out is highly toxic because when the body is in fight-or-flight survival mode, mental capacity decreases, hormones become imbalanced, even your gut is adversely impacted, and so much more. It drives insulin resistance, it causes reproductive hormones to go out of whack. I mean, I've talked to you about this over and over again on the show. We definitely want to stay clear of chronic stress. And luckily, there is something that we can do about it. Meditation reduces stress, it allows you to get back into balance, especially inside of the brain, And even in three minutes, we can instantly reduce stress levels that help to keep you present and happy throughout the day. You will also experience more focus and improve mood over time, and you will feel more alert. And I don't know about you, but I always want to feel more alert in my day. Now, a couple years ago, my husband Alex really wanted to meditate, but felt like he didn't have time. And every time he did try to meditate, he thought he needed at least 10 to 20 minutes. And it just wasn't working for him because his thoughts were everywhere. This is a man who juggles a lot of different tasks every single day, lots of things going on in his world. And he just felt like he couldn't quiet his mind. And he just figured he was doing it wrong or it wasn't working properly. Then we had a friend of ours probably earlier this year back in January, which I felt like is the perfect was the perfect time before everything kind of hit the fan. Um, They recommended Muse meditation technology for Alex. And basically what it is, is it's this technology that you wear. It's like this thin headband and it fits kind of like a Fitbit for your brain. And there are meditations that start at three minutes and they can ramp up five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And depending on where you're at, you can kind of ramp those up over time. 
Now, this was something that Alex was absolutely willing to try, and lo and behold, it worked. He loves using Muse for two reasons. One, it's easy to use, and there are sounds that indicate to him when his brain is in active meditation or when it goes and becomes more distracted and overwhelmed. So honestly, after seeing that and seeing how well Alex just loved the technology, I have definitely tried the technology myself, but it's technically Alex's meditation tool, not necessarily mine. I have other meditation tools that I use, but I was so impressed with the technology that I wanted to learn more about it. So I invited the founder of this technology to come onto the show and share her thoughts on meditation, mindfulness, and how to leverage Muse technology as an effective tool to meditate and again, floss the brain of any fear, anxiety, distractions, and racing thoughts. Now, before we jump into this powerful conversation with Ariel, the co-founder of Muse, I wanted to share something really quickly that I've been using for my energy levels and productivity because I like to have multiple tools in my toolbox. And this has been a tool that I've been using for the past three months that has made a world of difference. See, I'm always looking for more effective and easy ways to boost my antioxidant levels and to get added energy. Recently, I added Organifi's green juice to my morning routine and whoa, what a game changer. Their organic green juice is made with 11 superfoods and designed to boost energy levels and naturally detoxify the body, which you know I love. Now, this is the first thing that I'm doing every morning with 16 ounces of water, and it literally takes 30 seconds to make, and then I sip on it before breakfast. My body has been feeling extra hydrated, and I know that my gut and liver are primed for the day. Now, since I've been drinking this green juice, I have noticed that I am more focused and productive all day long, not just in the morning, and I'm not experiencing energy slumps around 4 or 5 o'clock. Plus, I love how easy it is to travel with on the go. And because I'm loving this, Organifi has given me an awesome promo code to use and share with you so that you can add it to your morning routine for more added energy and cellular support. So if you are ready for easy, effective energy, like starting right now in the morning, just go and use the promo code Dr. Marisa, that's D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A, and you'll get 15% off your entire order at Organifi.com slash Dr. Marisa. Now to make it simple, I will have the link to Organifi.com slash Dr. Marisa in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 236. I can't wait for you to experience all the energy that I have been loving these last couple of months. Now let's jump into our interview. But before I do, I want to quickly sing Ariel's praises. Ariel Garten is probably one of the most interesting people you will ever meet, and you're about to find out. She is a neuroscientist, a mom, a former psychotherapist, former fashion designer, and the co-founder and visionary of an amazing and highly successful tech startup called Muse. Now, Muse tracks your brain during meditation to give it real-time feedback on your meditation, guiding you into the zone and solving the problem most of us have when we start our meditation practice. Muse lets you know when you are doing it right, and it does it gently and effectively. So let's bring on Ariel to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Ariel Garden. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing fantastically. How are you? Mm, I am doing so good. I am so excited to have this conversation. I love your technology. My husband and I use it all the time. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's my favorite. My husband uses it a lot. I've just loved it too. And I especially love it because I have been trying to get my husband to meditate. (laughs) Yes, go are you one? For a hot minute. And one of our best friends actually had, we're always trying to find, we're we're trying to find recommendations that just felt easy, that felt great, and that felt like it was in alignment for him. And so another dear friend of mine, another guy friend had recommended it to Alex, my husband, and um, and it's, it's been amazing ever since. So thank you. Today, we're talking about quieting that inner critic, ooh, girl, every one of us has it, and how to literally overcome fear, how to overcome just all the stuff that's going on inside of our head to live our best life. And I know that right now, a lot of us, especially right now, have just a lot of stuff going on inside. I feel like we're getting so bombarded and our brain definitely needs a daily flossing, you know, to kind of just clear the gunk that is going on. Um, now, before I go on into that and we get into the nitty gritty, I know a lot of people are looking for a solution that can help them out there. As I would love to know, Arielle, like what was the impetus or what was that defining moment where you knew you wanted to create Muse? You wanted to create this beautiful technology to help support us. So first of all, incredibly exciting that you got your husband to meditate with Muse. I love these stories. Yay. Oh my God. Honestly, I am so grateful. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm, I'm so honored to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. So we started the creation of Muse. My own background, I was trained as a neuroscientist and I was working as a psychotherapist for almost a decade. And I too would try to get people to meditate. And I would teach them meditation in my office and they would go away and they wouldn't necessarily do it. And they'd come back and they'd sort of describe the experience they had as like, oh yeah, you know, meditation's great. I feel calm. I'm like, what did you actually do? And they, you know, silence. (laughs) So we recognized that there was a big need to actually create something that was going to help people with that process. So together with my co-founders, Chris Amini and Trevor Coleman, we started working with this very early brain computer interface technology that could actually translate your brain activity into sound. And as we were thinking about the ways that this could apply most effectively, it occurred to us that it would be the most like best use of this technology would be to help people meditate. Because when you meditate, you're in that space where there's nobody sitting in your brain telling you what to do. There's nobody telling you that you're doing it right. And if we could only create a tool that could solve that problem for people, we could get more people meditating. And as your husband seems to attest, it worked. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. He loves it. I think so much too, what is, was really the, the clencher for him. And I think for a lot of people, I think you guys were so smart in engineering this was the simplicity and the ease of this beautiful technology. Like my husband, he, he, he has it on his, literally at his office desk right now. It's always kind of with him where he goes. I love it when it's not out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> and, um, and he does too. For him, it's been such a a wonderful and beautiful tool for him. And it's just been such a game changer this year for 2020. Because that's when he started using it was the beginning of this year. (laughs) When people needed it most. Yes. Yes. When he definitely felt like he needed it most, that's for sure. Should we explain for the audience what Muse is and how it works? Yes, please. 
Okay. So what Muse is, is it is a brain sensing headband that helps you meditate. So it translates your brain activity during meditation into guiding sounds. So it's a slim little headband and it's kind of like a Fitbit that you slip on like a headband and it gives you real-time feedback to let you know when you're focused and when your mind has wandered to really let you know when you're in the meditation zone and to cue you when your mind has wandered away onto a thought. So you're actually like hearing real-time feedback on your brain activity while you meditate. And when your mind wanders, you hear the sound get louder. So you hear a little storm pick up. That's your cue to come back to focused attention and that quiets the storm. And so you get real-time feedback during the experience. And then after the fact, you get data. You get charts and graphs and scores that actually show you what your brain was doing the entire time. And then we also have sensors that track your heart, your breath, and your body so that you can really understand what's going on in each of your physiological systems during your meditation and understand the relationships between what happens in your mind, what happens in your body, what happens in your heart during your meditation process. Hmm. So beautifully explained. And it's such a it's such a cute, it's such an awesome, nifty, small device. I mean, it's really, it's very, it's I find it's very compact. I just love that it's easy to take on the go as well. We're leaving town tomorrow and Alex is bringing it with us. We're bringing it with us. So I just wanted to just speak into that. I just love how you describe it as kind of like a like a Fitbit, like a little Fitbit band for your head. Let's dive into meditation a little bit because I I know I know we keep hearing that we've got to be meditating, but let's talk about the why it works. Why why does it work for us? Why does it, it and what are some of the I think more so people still want to hear about the benefits of what it can do for us, especially in this very cluttered information driven world. Sure. So let's start all the way back at the beginning. Like, Mm -hmm. what is meditation? So meditation is just a practice or training that leads to healthy and positive mind states. And there are many different forms of meditation. The most common form of meditation that most people do is a focused attention meditation. So in a focused attention meditation, what you're doing is you put your attention on your breath. And then when your mind wanders away from your breath, you notice that your mind has wandered. And then you choose, instead of following that thought, to bring your attention back to the breath. So it's actually very simple activity. Mind wanders onto a thought, let go of the thought, bring it back to the breath. Now, in this very simple activity, there's some incredibly profound things going on. So for most of us, we just kind of go through our life on autopilot. We have a whole bunch of thoughts in our head, and we assume that those thoughts are supposed to be there and that there's nothing you can do about them. Well, when you do a meditation practice and you're observing the fact that you're thinking, your mind wanders onto a thought, and instead of following that thought, you choose to bring your attention back to something that you care about, you have in that moment fundamentally transformed your relationship to your own mind and to your thinking. You now have opened up the possibility of having a choice about the contents of your own mind. So you're not simply at the mercy of all of the random thoughts that you have in your head, most of which are stressful and repetitive and not necessarily that helpful. With meditation, what you learn to do is to say, hey, I don't need to follow that thought now. I can choose what I want to put my attention onto. And so that allows you to move your mind away from things that are stressful and negative. It allows you to choose what matters to you and to really take control over your own mental space. And then to recognize that those thoughts that you have in your head, they're not you. They're just thoughts. And therefore, all of those thoughts about you, well, you can have a choice about those too. And so you don't get as hooked into all of the narratives that you have about yourself that you've been holding on to. You have a choice about those as well. Super, super powerful. And hence why I just find, I think that that choice in 
having decision around the thoughts that come on in, you know, that the quote of like, we're not our thoughts. I -hmm. feel like with meditation, we really get to own that. Absolutely. Because we are not our thoughts, but we are so used to feeling like we are. We're so used to, you know, worrying about something and having that just happen to us over and over and over again and assume that that's how it's supposed to be. Or having beliefs about ourselves that we're not good enough or, you know, the thing we did was terrible and and just live through that. But that's just a thought. It's not necessarily reality and it's not necessarily the thing that you need to choose to go over, over and over again because you have choice. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so powerful. That that's exactly what I want everyone to take away from this conversation today. And I want to move a little bit into, you know, just speaking into this particular year, I feel like we have a lot of heightened anxiety. We definitely have a lot of heightened fear. I feel like the fear is kind of building back up as we start to see numbers increasing across the country and kind of, a you know, just internal beliefs and biases that can really rule our world as well. We feel like they can rule our world. Talk to me about, you know, what is some of the neuroscience around this? I know this was your specialty for so long. And how, once we kind of understand what's going on, how do we begin to overcome them? Because it can feel like these things are ruling our world, ruling our life and our mind. And it can be hard to kind of get out of that that tornado of all of these things? Okay, great question. And like one of my favorite topics of all time. Yay. So how is it that we can shift our relationship to our experience of life by actually understanding what goes on in our brain? So the first part of our brain that we need to understand is the amygdala. The amygdala is the part of your brain that's constantly scanning for danger. It's the part of your brain that's looking out and saying, oh no, there's something scary there. And that can be something that's, you know, a real threat, like a fire or a pandemic or, you know, the real things that exist. Or it can be a perceived threat, like a wrinkle in your pants or some people over there who might be speaking about, hey, maybe they're speaking about you or an email that you get that, you know, the subject line jumps your heart. So our amygdala is constantly scanning for danger and then sending thoughts into the brain about that danger and physiological reactions in the body to prepare you to deal with that danger. So that's how we experience the negative stressful thoughts that we have and the sensation of stress in our body, like a quickening of the heart, a tensing of the shoulders, you know, dilate a a constriction of blood vessels, all of the things that we feel in our body is stress and anxiety. So the amygdala is really helpful when there's something immediate that you need to deal with. Like a real danger. <laughs> like like a real danger actually standing in front of you. Yes. The amygdala is not very helpful when it is replaying dangers that actually aren't in front of you at that moment and replaying them over and over and over again. And it's kind of the amygdala's job to do this, to remind you about this danger constantly, even when it no longer affects you in the second. So, you know, simple example, you're stuck in traffic and at your first moment you're like, oh no, I'm stuck in traffic. I'm going to be late for my meeting. And then you're like, there's nothing I can do about it. I'll be late for the meeting. It's not going to help me to be anxious about it. And you put on a podcast and you just chill. But then your amygdala's job is to say, hold on, that meeting, hold on, that meeting over and over and over again until you become more and more and more anxious sitting in a car where you're actually safe. You're actually fine. You'll probably even be at the meeting on time. Maybe you texted them. You'll be five minutes late and it's okay. So, you know, we can stay in these sustained states of anxiety, even when it's not actually helpful or relevant in that moment. So this is where another part of our brain comes in that can be very helpful, and that is the prefrontal cortex. 
So the prefrontal cortex is at the front of the head, and it's the part of our brain that's associated with rationality. It's the part of our brain that's associated with attention, inhibition, planning, organizing, higher order processes. And it's kind of like the amygdala is the scared child, always freaking out. And the prefrontal cortex is the parent who can actually look around and see what's going on and say, hey, you know, we're just stuck in traffic. There's nothing we can do about it. It'll be fine. And when we start a meditation practice, part of what we're doing is we are training the prefrontal cortex to become stronger and we are training it to be able to calm the amygdala. So it really is like the amygdala is the kid who's afraid of the shadow on the wall and the prefrontal cortex is able to come in and say, hey, I see it's just a shadow. You can calm down now. It's okay. And meditation has been demonstrated to thicken the prefrontal cortex, downregulate the amygdala, and actually increase the connections between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala so the prefrontal cortex can have more control over it. Mm. I love that. How I kind of always describe it is um, sending the brain safety signals, you know, meditation, because that amygdala is, con- I always call all the amygdala the stranger danger center. <laughs> um, just stranger danger, stranger danger, you know, just all the time. And um, and being able to, because t- I know that the brain is just trying to do its best job to protect us. Like, hey, totally. hey, hey, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time that thing happened? Um, and, you know, being able to send a safety signal, like you said, to activate that prefrontal cortex through meditation kind of co- just tells the brain that everything's good to go. And it's what I think, you know, given that powerful strategy alone, I think is worthy enough for each and every one of us to consider meditation. And just real quick, just curious, Ariel, honey, is there an amount of meditation or certain times? Like how many times should we consider meditating every single day? I didn't know if you had um, any kind of any research or recommendations around this. Sure. So when you look in the literature, most of the studies have been done with 20 minutes per day of meditation. And in 20 minutes per day of meditation, you can see significant benefits in as little as eight weeks. People report benefits much sooner, but the studies tend to look at 20 minutes a day for eight weeks. In the studies that we've done with Muse, and there are now over 200 published studies using Muse in various forms, one of the studies came from the Mayo Clinic, and there they worked with breast cancer patients awaiting surgery. And they gave them muse meditations to do starting at as little as three minutes a day. And then after three months, they measured their levels of stress, fatigue, and quality of life. And they saw that using muse, they were able to improve their quality of life even during the cancer care process and decrease their stress and fatigue. So the trick with the meditation practice is not how much am I doing it, but it is, am I doing it regularly? So you want to every day or, you know, minimum of four days a week, every day be training your brain a little bit in this process of being able to stay calm, stay focused, get out of the amygdala, get into the prefrontal cortex to just, you know, be in the present moment and to shift the relationship to your thoughts. And so as you do that each day, you train yourself and you might start at just three minutes and when you're comfortable, move up to five and then move up to 10. You don't need to do an hour a day, but you want to make sure that you're maintaining consistent practice and then starting to notice the ways that it rolls out in your life. So you might notice that you're just a little bit less reactive. You might notice that you're able to see something more clearly. You might notice that when you become 
become stressed, you can now notice your stress and then bring in a breathing exercise to, to calm yourself down. So you want to do it consistently and then take your learning and bring it out into the day with you. And that's when you really see the power of meditation start to transform your life. Mm, I love that. So most studies show us 20 minutes, eight weeks, massive difference. You guys have, you know, 200 peer-reviewed studies and we're looking at, you know, for, you know, I, my husband, five, five minutes is his, his sweet spot. I mean, sometimes it's 10 minutes for sure. But even in the research that you demonstrated that three or five minutes, as long as you're consistent, can really be a powerful game change for people. Yes. And you want to try to move up from three minutes or five minutes, but starting at like 10 minutes a day, if you've never meditated before, is just counterproductive. Start at what feels comfortable to you and then move it up from there. Mm, I love that. That makes so much sense. And I think that that eases a lot of people's minds because I think sometimes, you're, like you said, 10 minutes or 20 minutes, especially if you think that you're not doing it right, or you're not sure if it's working at all, can feel like a very long time. Yeah. And can be very frustrating. One of the important things to remember about meditation is that all of our minds wander. So there's this real misconception that your mind is supposed to go blank when you meditate. It doesn't. Like literally levitating is easier than making your mind actually go blank for 10 minutes straight. <laughs> you know, our minds bounce all over the place. They're creative, generative tools, and that's completely okay. What you're training in focused attention meditation is your ability to notice the wandering of your mind and then shift your choices around following your thoughts. So if your mind wanders, totally no problem. The question is just, what do you do with it? Do you choose to follow that wandering thought and now think about the groceries and then what you're late on and, and, and? Or do you choose to be able to say, I'm going to let that go and I'm going to refocus on something neutral or something I care about, like my breath or the person in front of me? Hmm. That makes so much sense. Now, when I know one of the things that you had mentioned a couple seconds ago was kind of just observing, you know, what is going on? How are you feeling? Do you ever recommend journaling maybe later in the afternoon or in the evening to kind of track how you, how you are feeling to kind of maybe look at the progress of, of how meditation is benefiting? Or do you, is it just more so just kind of taking a moment and doing like an internal check? You can do either. For some people, journaling is a very powerful tool and it's highly recommended. Actually, in the Muse app, after you do your sessions, we have a journaling option so you can track how you are feeling and write a few notes to yourself. If you want to do long-form journaling, absolutely. For some people, it's just more comfortable to just start observing themselves throughout the day and just start to notice, oh, I'm feeling this way. Oh, I see this is happening. And what you're training is the skill of mindfulness. So if meditation is the practice or the training that you're doing, the skill that you're building is mindfulness. And mindfulness is defined as the moment-to-moment, non-judgmental, intentional attention to your thoughts, feelings, sensations, and the outside world. So when you're doing the act of focusing on your breath, noticing your mind has wandered, making a different choice, what you're doing is you're building your mindfulness, your ability to be mindfully aware about your thoughts in your internal state. And then as you go throughout your day, you continue that practice of being mindful, mindfully aware of the people you're talking to, your environment, your physical sensations. And that can be an incredibly transformative tool. 
So there's this amazing study from Killingsworth and Gilbert. They're two Harvard professors, and they tracked people's mind wandering throughout the day. And they discovered that 46.9% of the time, on average, people's minds are wandering, and that this mind wandering actually makes you unhappy. And if you are doing an activity that your mind is fully engaged in, if it is here with you in the present moment on your thought, on your feelings, your sensations, on the act that you're doing, you are likely to be more more happy than if you're doing any other activity in the world, even a very fun one, but your mind wandering while doing it. So it turns out this act of mindfulness, being aware in the present moment of what is around you, is incredibly healing. Hmm. I would love to dive in a little bit to that, speaking into ways in which that we can create mindfulness. You know, I, I meet so many people who just feel just utterly distracted, you know, one thing to the next. I think that we're getting more and more distracted every single day, and it can be very hard to find ourselves focusing, being present and mindful. And sometimes I think we just don't know where to start. And I know that mindfulness is different than meditation, but they they go hand in hand. They're very complementary. So I'd love for you to speak into ways in which that we could start to integrate mindfulness so that we become a little bit more present, especially if it's tied to our overall well-being and happiness. Sure. So, of course, one of the best ways to build mindfulness is through the meditation practice, because meditation is the act that you do that's going to build the skill of mindfulness. And then as you go throughout your day, there's lots of ways that you can do your activities mindfully. So, you know, one great practice is mindful eating. And when you do that, you are being very aware of the food that you're putting in your mouth. So you're just, you're stopping. You're not choosing to think about other things. You're not mind wandering. You're thinking about the food. You're seeing it in front of you. When you put it in your mouth, you're feeling the texture. You're enjoying the taste. You're being with the experience of eating rather than mind wandering and doing something else while you're doing it. It turns out when you do the simple practice, you end up eating less because you're far more you know, engaged. You're not eating quickly. Um, you're eating slowly and you're deriving satisfaction from every bite that you're eating. You're not just hoovering your food down. And it also allows you to build a greater relationship with your food and your satiety signals. So you know, you're mindful of yourself as you're eating. How, how is my body reacting to this? How am I feeling? So you can actually turn any practice in your day into a mindful moment. You know, it might be a mindful cup of tea. It might be mindful face washing or mindful putting on cream. You know, you're just with yourself while you're doing it. You're putting the cream on, you're feeling it, you're seeing the texture of the cream in the mirror, you're feeling the sensation of your hand, you know, coming down your cheek. You know, you're experiencing it. And as you do this, one of the terms that I love in mindfulness is you are widening the aperture of your experience. So it's so easy to feel like you're just going through life rushing from one thing to the next and you can't even remember what happened and it's all just kind of a blur. But when you engage mindfully in an act, you are it's as if like the world becomes sparklier and brighter. You're feeling it, you're smelling it, you're experiencing it, you're here with it here and now. You're like you're making that moment of your life meaningful in that moment with the experience you're having. And that is like a transformative way to be. Hmm. I love that so, so much. The, the idea of like just the sparkliness, the experience. You know, one of my favorite ways to be mindful is, is to walk out in nature and mm-hmm. to look at all the beautiful flowers and the plants, especially how the seasons change. Another way that I love to experience mindfulness is through self-care. 
Um, you know, through maybe it's a Epsom salt bath or it's reading a really great book or it is breath work and just really savoring, you know, self-care for so so many people often can feel like a little bit of a self-indulgence and some of it could be. But I think if you can enjoy it and be mindful around it, then it it, it really makes it worthwhile. <laughs> and it really does because when you are mindful, it is actually impossible for you to be thinking, almost impossible for you to be thinking negative thoughts. So you are here in the present moment with your activity, which means you're not thinking about the past with all of your, you know, regrets and repetitive thinking. You're not thinking about the future with all of its worries. You're just here in the present moment. And as you train yourself in the act of mindfulness, I had one researcher recently describe it to me as you are opening up the pathways for positive experience to predominate in your life. And so it's almost like mindfulness is kind of like the super highway amongst which positive experience moves throughout us, which then crowds out the space for the negative thinking and the ruminative negative experiences. So you're like, you're actually doing real work on your brain while you're doing that self-care routine that mindfully does not self-indulgent. Yes, I love it. Yeah, it's such a double win. It's and it, you know, it's just really attuning, you know, that that magic and that sparkle of living and enjoying your life, which I think ultimately each and every one of us really, really wants. It's when we get caught up in the, like you said, in the rushing and the constant tasks and the to-do list and the distractions that we just lose, we lose sight of so much of that. And so I, I love that as a result of meditation, we can create mindfulness, but then there's lots of different ways that we can integrate mindfulness into our life to really create that happiness. I want to close the loop for a second between that and the fear. Because, you know, you said something really important, which is that most, you know, we can feel that self-care is indulgent. So in these days where there is a pandemic going on and it can be quite scary, your brain is constantly screaming to you that you need to pay attention to the scary thing. And even when you are in your home, perfectly safe, you've washed your hands, you've you know done all the things that you need to do to know that you are completely safe in your own environment, your brain is still working on that experience of, oh no, there's a threat I need to be scared. Oh no, there's a threat I need to be scared. It's working on it somewhere in the background and making you feel scared when you don't need to be. Now, to be very clear, I'm pro-mask. I don't know if the people who are listening are, but from my science background, I'm very pro-mask. You know, the pandemic is real and we need to take acts to protect ourselves. However, that doesn't mean we need to be scared. And I think so often in the healthcare, conver- in the wellness conversation, there's this feeling like you let go of all fear and you let go of all precautions, or you have a ton of fear and a ton of precautions. It's actually not either or. You know, I'm pro having solid precautions like social distancing and wearing masks, but also not needing to have fear around it. And so when we take all of these steps in our life to say, hey, I'm allowed to be happy in this moment. I'm allowed to take care of myself in this moment. I'm allowed to, you know, indulge just in the the positive experiences of life. There may be this little part in your brain that says, oh, but you know, there's a pandemic, there's bad things going on. We need to just feel terrible. And that's actually not true. So, you know, that's the moment where you need to separate the overwhelming experience of a fear response with what practically do you need to do now to make yourself safe? And so if you've taken the appropriate precautions, your amygdala can calm right down. You can actually, you know, enjoy a nice dinner, enjoy your family, enjoy a walk in nature, do all of these things that make us feel whole and human, while at the same time taking the rational steps to keep yourself and the people around you safe. Mm, I love that reframe. 
so much because right now we're we're definitely needing that, especially with with all the fear that's being thrown our way. That we can we can still be safe and not be bombarded by fear, and it, it can be a win win for all of us. Yeah, and you know we're we're allowed to enjoy the world around us and our connections and our experience and people, provided you're taking the appropriate measures, you can tell your amygdala to calm down. It's okay. I love that. The last little question I want to ask, because I was unaware of this, is that you have created Muse S for sleep. I didn't know that this existed. And so tell me a little bit about this. You know, one of the biggest, I would say either top top two or top three issues that I find most of my ladies are struggling with, and probably people in general, is sleep issues and trying to find a viable solution for this that is not a pharmaceutical, I think is always on everyone's mind. Yeah, it's really been on our minds too. So thank you. We just created a new device called Muse S. So the product we've been talking about until now is Muse 2. S does all the same things that Muse 2 does. It gives you the amazing meditation feedback, but it also comes with guided sleep journeys that are designed to help you fall asleep faster. So Muse S has sensors that track your heart, your brain, your breath, and your body as you fall asleep. And they're paired with beautiful guided meditations and a soundtrack that's actually created from your body that is designed to help you lull into sleep and fall asleep faster. And coming up very shortly, we also have sleep tracking um, as well as sleep coaches and coursing. So it really becomes this very beautiful total solution to help you meditate during the day, you know, find your calm, create better emotional reactivity to help you quiet your brain at night, calm your body, reduce your cortisol as you fall into sleep, give you a better night's sleep, and then help you be better able to handle the next day. Oh, that sounds so powerful. I love that you have integrated this into your technology. You know, I find that um, having a calming sleep meditation or sleep journey before we head to bed is just one of the most profound ways to just, like you said, lower cortisol levels, calm the mind and really get us in a rested state. So I'm really excited about this new technology and it just feels like such a perfect fit. Thank you. Yeah, it's been incredibly exciting and amazing to hear people actually talk about falling asleep faster. It's been fantastic. Yes, 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 yes. I know so many people, that's exactly what they want. Ariel, this has been incredible. I, you know, like I said, I'm, I was already, I'm already in love with the technology. I already think it's absolutely incredible. I think everyone needs their own muse in their life that they can use because there's so many, so many incredible benefits, especially now more than ever. Where can we plug in? Where do we, where do we get to learn about the technology? How can we get our, in our hands? I know that you have a little discount code for us as well. Can you just kind of give us the rundown? Sure. So if you want to find out more, you can go to choosemuse.com slash welcome. So that's C-H-O-O-S-E-M-U-S-E.com slash welcome. And then we have a discount code for your listeners. And the discount code is choosemuse, just like the website name, C-H-O-O-S-E-M-U-S-E. Perfect. That is so, so simple. We will have all of it in the show notes. We'll have the link to the site, and then we'll have the discount code in the show notes as well. So if you are like, okay, 
Enough of this not being able to go to sleep at night. Enough of feeling this mental chatter and distractedness and fear and anxiety and all the things that are potentially going on in your world or maybe in somebody else's world, somebody in your life that you think could really, really use a little bit of help especially as the holidays are coming along. It's such a great tool to give as a gift for the holidays. Thank you so much, Arielle, for not only developing this incredible technology, but also coming onto the show today and just really giving us some just key highlights around the benefits of meditation, understanding the neuroscience around anxiety, fear, and the biases that we're creating, and then how we can begin to apply mindfulness every single day into our own lives. Thank you. It has been such a pleasure. So wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So are you convinced? I know I am. Honestly, I've been convinced this entire year because my amazing husband can do it. And I know if he can do it, anyone can do it. And if you're having or you're feeling a little bit of resistance, that is totally understandable. It's actually why Arielle and her team developed this technology in the first place, right? It's to make it easier and to let you know that you're rocking it and doing it right. And who doesn't love a little positive reinforcement, especially when you're doing something that can feel so hard and you're not even sure if it's actually working for you. Now, Alex and I have experienced profound decrease in stress, distractions, all kinds of like that mental chatter gunk that happens because of meditation practices that we're doing in the morning and the afternoon. Now, we're not doing both in the morning and the afternoon. It just kind of really depends. Sometimes we do it in the morning. Sometimes we do it in the afternoon. We kind of just get in where we fit in. And that's what I love about that technology as well. As long as it's near you, you can get get in where you fit in. You could do it multiple times a day if little three-minute increments are your jam. Now, if you're looking to create more presence and clear the cobwebs in your brain or stop those racing thoughts, especially the ones that are driving fear because of that stranger danger amygdala, I highly recommend checking out Muse. You can find the link to check out Muse in the show notes and I will have a discount code in the show notes as well. So I wanna just say thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. I hope this episode was enlightening and kind of gave you some inspiration on taking that first step into meditation. You are always the inspiration for me when it comes to this podcast. And coming up next, I'm gonna be personally sharing on our Q&A Friday, the three phases of perimenopause and how to address them. Because yes, perimenopause is a journey not a destination and it can last 5 to 10 12 years it's that slow gradual step into menopause most of us are dealing with in our late 30s and 40s even into our early 50s and there is various stages of progression of how our hormones are shifting and i think that we deserve to know what is going on in our bo- going on in our bodies at different phases especially as we are transitioning over to menopause it's a huge part of our life especially a part of our life where things are very busy we are managing a lot of things i know i am managing a lot of things being in perimenopause and being pregnant ooh it's like a double whammy luckily i'm in the early stages of the first phase of that of perimenopause but still like i said there's always a lot of things going on in our lives during this time in our life Um, And understanding how our body works, I think is so, so important. So I hope you join me for this next episode on Friday. Until then, have an amazing day. 